0: Mayo Clinic did research for a few years ago. A few years ago, they had two seconds per image to look at that and find like a three by three brighter than average pixel and tell you, hey, you know, you have cancer, you have a brain bleed. That's crazy.
1: Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, Ventures, a community-driven VC funded in Silicon Valley in partnership with Loomitech and sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Turing, UpWest Labs, and Hillel at Stanford. AI in healthcare is one of the most exciting new advancements in the past few years. Meet Elad Wallach, the CEO of ADOC. Elad is the CEO and co-founder of ADOC, an AI company that develops radiology triage and notification systems. He's led the company since its founding in 2016, obtaining six FDA clearances, raising $60 million in funding, and creating an installed base of over 400 hospitals and imaging centers. Elad began his career in the Israeli Defense Force's elite Talpiyot unit, eventually managing several computer vision and machine learning teams. He lives in New York City with his wife and daughter. Elad Valach, thank you so much for joining me on 20 Minute Leaders. How are you today? I am very good. I was looking forward to this. I am extremely excited to have you here, all the way from New York. Uh, the CEO of Adoc, I I just love what you're doing. I love the industry you're doing. Now that I'm as a young entrepreneur, thinking of what type of venture I want to do later on, this is pretty much you know the the story that I want to be able to tell both to my employees, to my family, to my friends, to my girlfriend. So first of all, thank you for making such a positive impact on the world. And I'm gonna let you tell more about Adoc in a second. But first, take me all the way back to your army days. You're in. Talpiot. What is that like?
0: Yeah, so Talpiot, uh, for those that don't know, Talpiot is uh, considered one of the most uh, elite technology units right. in Israel in, uh, Israeli Ministry of Defense. It's a, very, um, it's a very limited group of people. It's about uh, 30 to 40 folks every year. Um, and it's one, it was one of the most intense periods in my life. Uh, and I'm an entrepreneur now, so it, it's it tells something, um, as part of the program, I served um, for a decade at the military of defense. Um, so as most people listening to this must might know, uh, us, Israel, we all have to serve in the military. I've been uh, fortunate to sign up for a decade uh, when I was 18 uh, to be, uh, to be able decade. to apply for
1: this program. A decade? Well, I, you know, I, I'm rounding up. Uh, of course, but no, but but I think that one of the most inspiring things I think that I, that I'm observing through the show. First of all, it's the non-linear career pathways that people have, and I think that a lot of people, especially today, you know, I'm going I, at Stanford. I'm seeing this rush, this urgency to go and conquer. And you know, if you haven't, if you haven't done made a billion dollars by the age of 24, then you're not really relevant. But but the truth is that at the end, in order to build really meaningful things like what you're doing with ADOC, you need you need the mature experience. And I'm and I'm sure that those almost 10 years uh, as, as part of the IDF. Really, really served you well. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you actually did. Now, you went to the Israeli Air Force and you w- started going into artificial intelligence. That's also not the most common path for somebody serving in a military.
0: Yeah. So, I've been, as part of the program, I was very fortunate. The idea of the program is for, for us to innovate technology in, in the Ministry of Defense. So, uh, I've been put in the, in the Israeli Air Force when they didn't even know that they wanted to do AI. It was kind of like, Let's do some technology innovation. Let's build up a team of top Yale grads, um, and we—we we, it was actually kind of like doing a startup in in the military, right? Uh, we because we started going around and speaking with folks and seeing, you know, what are the needs, and AI started kind of building up. It was the the beginning of kind of the technological revolution with with machine learning becoming much more prominent, and so many use case, So many use cases popped up. Uh, and it was so at those days. I must say, I really enjoyed the service because, on the one hand, it was starting something for fresh, but it was very, very technologically advanced. You know, working with academia and, and taking all this cool stuff that were on the shelf, but making them, you know, operational and 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 making an impact. So that was kind of how the service looked. And at the end, it grew up to be, uh, you know, to be now it's a, it's a whole department. So I'm I'm very. <laughs>
1: Uh, fortunate to be there uh, when when it got started. Amazing. And so you finished Alpilot, and you, how do you even get into health tech? Because what you're doing here, regardless of the fact that it's leveraging deep technology and you're going really into artificial intelligence, you really are going into a very difficult industry that has a huge barrier to entry. Right? Uh, there's a huge upside and huge impact to be made. But what leads you towards healthcare?
0: Yeah, and it actually all ties to the to the Talpiot roots. Uh, so let's imagine me eighteen years old for a second. Uh, I was this uh, pretty nerdy kid. Uh, not a lot of, let's say, awareness into what I want to do. I just, you know, I, I I knew I'm good with computers. I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed solving problems. Um, and you know, to be honest, I was a bit. I was a bit. Uh, let's say. Um, I wouldn't say cocky at the time, but, you know, I knew I was the smartest kid in class, right? It's always like you learn that way. And you go into Talpiot, and basically the first thing you you learn is that you're not, you're finally not the smartest kid in class. You see there are people much smarter than you. So you learn humility. I think that that's a very important lesson. And the second thing I was kind of drilled with is that we have talent and we need to use it for a good purpose. Uh, and it's something that they kind of drilled us to the, the core of our DNA. And I must say that if, you know, when I was 18 years old, I didn't really think about what I want to do with my life, with, you know, with my capabilities after finishing the army, I knew like, I want to be in an area where I make an impact, where I feel the impact. And when I do the world, some good, uh, so that's cause was the overarching thesis when
1: we started this. Yeah. What we call the, the Gimel Gimel. So, so you know that you want to make a positive impact on the world. You know that you want to leverage deep technology and the convergence to the field of radiology and using artificial intelligence. How, how come? So,
0: so people, you know, sometimes give lectures to kind of early entrepreneurs. They ask me, you know, did you have the idea? Isn't that the idea is all important with a startup? Uh, for me, that, well, I didn't have an idea. What I had is a team. So I had my two co-founders, which were awesome. Uh, and just knew I want to do healthcare. That's the only thing I knew. And we kind of started going very deep into that domain. So we had this, I remember we kind of, you know, we were sitting on some beers, was late at night, we had got this whiteboard with, with a ton of ideas, you know, like 20 ideas. That. And we started, we, there is this framework called the Lean Startup, you know, the, the one, uh-huh. the uh, so we started vetting. What are the risks for any of these? And we started, you know, narrowing those downs. Uh, we had a, a doctor, uh, a doctor, Dr. Galiani, who joined us at that that point in time. So we kind of started going through the ideas together and starting validating, you know, what works and what not. And I up what definitely wasn't the first. I think it was the fourth or the fifth in the list. And we kind of validated. And very, I remember one story that that's a funny one that. And So the first idea was something in the ER. We knew there was a big pain point. People don't know what's happening in the ER. So we thought, how do we validate there is a pain point? Uh, so me and the doc, we, we both went to, an, like, I don't even remember where, like an ER somewhere in Israel. And we stood outside the emergency department with like a survey and asking everybody coming out, like, did you find something wrong with the experience? And and they actually, they kicked us out at some point. Apparently you can't do that. Uh, you're not allowed to ask people what's wrong with, with their service. <laughs> but I just remember like so much. Uh, it was very fun that period, like valuating all ideas, asking people. Uh, so that was kind of the early days until we've met the idea of ADOC, where we spoke with radiologists all across the world.
1: And they kind of told us like, guys, we need we need this yesterday. Uh, and that was the, the origin yeah. of, of what we're doing today. So, so tell me a little bit more about the pain point, because that's always the most interesting part. The, the, that also, you know, segues into the, the impact that if you were to solve it properly, which, which obviously ADOC is, the, then then you really find, find the match. So why do radiologists need that yesterday? Is it a bottleneck? Is it a problem of accuracy? What, what is the problem there?
0: I, I think the easiest way to think about it is, is looking at... Camera cameras in phones, okay? So what happened in, in iPhone cameras, right? So two things happen. A, you have much more resolution, right? So we have much more, much more data per image. And the mm-hmm. second thing, everybody's now doing images, right? Everybody's doing a selfie. And the same thing happened with radiology. So we had cheaper, faster scanners, more more demands. So we have like more and more images. And not only that, the resolution of those scanners is 10X versus a decade ago. Right. So you have this massive overload of de- of of data, and you just you need specialized people, radiologists. They're doing amazing job, really. They need to go through all of this massive amounts of data, mountains of data. They grew ten x in the last decade, and 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 give you interpretation. Nowadays, Mayo Clinic did research for a few years ago. A few years ago, they had two seconds per image to look at that and find like a three by three brighter than average pixel and tell you, hey. You know, you have cancer, you have a brain bleed. That's
1: crazy. So that's the pain point we have in radiology today. And I think that the the craziest part is that the the end of the sentence was, and we need that in order to diagnose cancer, right? So so you're taking, you know, two crazy things that you need. You're you're both expecting to do something that's pretty much inhumane, even for the most, the person with the most, the radiologist with the most expertise. And at the same time, you're saying, by the way, each this itch, each, you know, false negative that you're saying here, you, you're misdiagnosing somebody that, doesn't have can, that, that has cancer, it's life. right? It's life, exactly. It's life. Right. So what is the opportunity here that you identify back in 2015 when you're saying we might be able to leverage deep technology to actually solve this?
0: Yeah, so the opportunity in high level is let's create insights from all this data in, a, in an automated fashion, right? How, how do we do that? And the first pain point we try to solve is how do you reach the right patients on time? Right. So let me give you an example, right? You have a patient coming in into the emergency department. Uh, Let's say a female fell down a few stairs. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, busy ED, you have, you know, dozens if not hundreds of patients waiting. Nobody knows who has a brain bleed, who is not. You know, many patients fell down the stairs. You're even doing the CT. Now that's not the bottleneck today. They have enough scanners. So you're doing the CT, but then what? Then you're waiting hours for radiologists to go into the image and say, oh my God, this patient has a brain bleed. Really? It could be hours for sure, and wow. for, for elective care, for example, you could have there, there are examples of patients, you know, waiting, you know, sometimes days.
1: Unbelievable! That's unbelievable. And so, so what I understand from that is that the bottleneck here really is this is is the diagnosis and the interpretation of the of the image, right?
0: Exactly. The question is, how do you? identify the right patients you want to focus on first. So that's the first thing with data. How do you sift through the data very
1: efficiently to get to those that need treatment right. first? And so then how do you actually go about and work with the hospitals? So first you have to get the data. You have to get them to believe you on some level. I'm guessing there's some overlap in the meantime where you have, you're have you both competing and working together with the radiologists, right? In order to prove some point or or, you know, shift consumer behavior towards the world that you're imagining
0: absolutely and it's it's never competing by the way so we took the position and i think that's the only position you can take that it's not about a radiologist versus a machine it's radiologist there is this sentence i love it's not about will ai replace radiologists is will it radiologists with ai replace radiologists without right and i think that's where we come in right we want to make them like the the bionic super uh, super people that you know can go
1: through images very quickly why and that's is it the an purpose. important distinction why is that messaging it, it sounds to me like I have a feeling that it's it is a critical messaging that differentiation, but why is it so important
0: well there are two reasons uh a because it's true we can't so humans we're very good at at solving comprehensive problems, right? So going through a lot of data and understanding, you know, what do we do with this patient and looking at rare diseases and aggregating tons of types of information. Humans are awesome at that. What AI is good at is asking a very specific question and answering that very accurately and very quickly. That's where mm-hmm. AI comes in. So you need both. You, you So that that's A, that's truth. B, you know, obviously nobody wants to, you know, work with something that will replace him. So even if you're claiming it, which again, I don't believe in, but even if you know, even if I don't think that's the right approach, like you can't come to someone and tell them, hey, I'm gonna replace you. Let, let's work together in the meantime until I do that. I don't think it's A, possible, but B, I don't think it's it's a good approach in general. And this is why radiologists love the system. They love it because it makes them
1: uh, be better. So can you share with me a little bit about what's actually happening with ADOC today in 2021, you know, in hindsight and hindsight, how many, you know, I know you're working with more than 400 hospitals, but on, you know, Paint me a picture of the impact thus far, and and then I'd love to hear from you. Where where is this taking off? Like what what is the grand vision for Ada?
0: So this last year, even though COVID uh, was was pretty crazy, I must say, we've uh, quadrupled in 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 uh, in sales, and and if I think about company trajectory, so we got the first FDA clearance only two years ago, so two thousand early 2019, wow. right? First year is first penetration. You're getting it out there, you're getting your first, you know, sites. getting, you know, convincing in the value, showing some traction. Um, and just and radiologists were so hungry for something that works because they hear about AI all the time. And you see it in home. You know, we have we all have Alexa and we have like movie recommendations in Netflix, right? So they're they're eager for AI. And finally they saw something that works. And it's kind of exploded this year, I must say, and we're just penetrating. Massive amount of hospitals is just because they're looking for actual value, and you know once it started uh, when
1: they started believing in it, then it started really uh, catching up. Right. And so tell me a little bit about this uh, partnering with hospitals. Uh, you're working with you know a, a b- bodies that aren't necessarily you know at the cutting edge of the technology, and, and uh, also you like the explanations of what you're doing. It's not like saying okay, here's my mobile application. Here I can easily explain to you what each functionality does. You're basically saying I know how to take the, this image, and I know how to diagnose it. Uh, hopefully, just as good as you know a radiologist can. Is there a problem with explaining it, or or was it pretty straightforward for them? Yeah. So
0: first of all, just one quick clarification: we don't do the full diagnosis; mm-hmm. we just do it for the with the radiologist. So we, for example, right. we prioritize for him. Right. But in terms of what hospitals care about, it's that's actually a very good point. As a company, we're really focused on reducing the barriers for testing, mm. because they're so skeptic. They constantly tell us, you know, is it real, is it not? Is it valuable, is it not? So the whole company is built around, you know what, D- don't take my word for it. Just try it out. Right. That, that, that's kind of the concept of how we do sales. Don't take my word for it. Uh, and once you do that, then I think that, that's the key what we found in hospital sales, reduce the barriers, And then create highly measurable value. So those are kind of the two steps, because even if you get in the door, it's hard to really understand the value if you're not measuring it. So the measurement part and understanding what is the impact you're doing is also key. So showing them, for example, that you reduced priority, showing them you reduced length of stay, that waiting time in the ED. Those are like
1: critical things for them to see, to be really convinced and be able to spend money on this. Right. And how important is the, is the mission part from now the company perspective? So now you as sort of the, the, one of the leaders in the company, when, when you look at the people that are working with you, how prominent is the mission and the overall, you know, vision of, of the impact ADOC is going to have? How big of a part is it of your day-to-day journeys?
0: Oh, it's massive. It's massive. Um, And I'll tell you a story that one of my employees told me. So we are working Unfortunately, uh, very, very hard uh, or fortunately, uh, depending how you look at it. So it's not like I, I sometimes I, you know, employees text me, you know, 2 a.m. Uh, we do, you know, we do maintain some work life balance, but sometimes it's necessary. You know, we're serving, you know, 24 hour critical. Uh, and and I had one of employees tell me that that whenever he has like a very tough week, you know, with tough customer calls, uh, he we, we get a lot of emails from customers um for example like about a patient that a patient that's life was saved and like a doctor telling us sorry we get like two of those a week on average and like he tells me he has a kind of a scrapbook a, a, a virtual scrapbook with all of those and kind of reviews them uh over the weekend uh to kind of get get him back energized and i think it's you know even medical device companies i don't think that what I love about specifically what we do is that you really feel the immediate impact. I think all companies have right. a lot of value, don't get me wrong, but I think feeling that immediate impact is, is, is awesome. And hearing like that, that story of, of patients that really got, got different care because of you, I think it's, it's, that, that's what we're all about.
1: I, I think that's incredible. And I, when I look at what type of company I want to build for myself, or or the types of co- types of companies that I'm truly excited about. I think that at the end, it's about that impact. It's about really being able to wake up every morning and and you don't even have to explain yourself like why you're doing what you're doing. It's so obvious. And one of the things that I've been that I've been mentioning to a lot of my friends, one of them, Joe Berman from Innovation Endeavors, I told him that yeah. in my, you know I'm I'm starting to to think. And one of the things that I told myself as as sort of a rule of thumb, no matter what company I build, I it has to be in a huge market. And the second one is, second rule is, I ha- when I explain what the company does, within the second sentence, I need people to say, I'm in. I love what you're doing. And I think that what you're representing here at ADOC and, and it's, it, there's nothing to explain. I mean, it's obvious. It's a huge problem. It's a huge opportunity, both business-wise, but it's making a huge impact on people. So thank you for all the, for all the amazing work you're doing. Alad, I have to, in the last two minutes we have, I have to pick your brain. Young entrepreneurs, what would you tell them? What would you tell a young entrepreneur just starting their journey, And, you know, granted, you've done deep technology. Now you're the CEO of a a hugely hyper-growth company. What what key advice would you say?
0: A, get a mentor. Mm. That's so key. Get a mentor. And don't, it just, I have have a few uh, people that I admire and help me in my journey. And they taught me so much, especially for starting entrepreneurs. It's, you, you really have to have this backup, this guidance. It really helps tremendously. Um, so that that's like number one tip I would say. Um, and two, get the right co-founders. And it's it's easy to say I can't find the right person. So how about I start with somebody that I have potentially less fit? No, there's so key. you're going to have so many challenges, and the trust. And when when I say trust, I mean. It's a, the safety to challenge each other, but also like. the trust that, that they're going to allow you to grow into your position. We're all inadequate yes. in doing that, but you need to understand that if you're doing something bad, they'll just tell you you're doing something bad. It's not a firing offense. It's a learning offense, if, if you yeah. know what I mean. And that, I think, is key. So those are, I would say, my two biggest tips. Get a mentor for learning and get the right team.
1: I, I just love that a lot. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate it. The last question and the most important one that I have is three words you would use to describe yourself. So
0: I thought about it in advance. I'll do, I'll do this. The first is Kaizen. Okay. The second, yes, Kaizen, uh, learning mentality. Second is effectiveness. Okay. We is optimism and four is rule breaking.
1: <laughs> of course Elad, thank you so so much continue making such a positive impact on the world I can't wait to see it grow from 400 uh, hospitals to 40,000 hospitals and, uh, and, and I just love what you're doing I love the mission thank you for everything and stay safe and stay healthy
0: Michael thank you so much